0: Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So today we're starting a brand new series called Being the Change That Your World Needs, Being the Change. That your world needs. I wanna congratulate you this morning for being here at the beginning of a series. It's so much better than coming in the middle. You know, if this is your first time here, coming in the middle of a series, you're like, what are all these people talking about? Like, listen, you're here at the very beginning, and I wanna congratulate you. Um, on that, I want to thank you for being here, and um, and I'm going to ask you that, that if you are here today, and this is your first time here, I'm going to ask you to simply do one thing for me. That is to make the decision to come the next couple of weeks as we finish up this series. All right? Come over the next couple of weeks. You don't need to make Grace Church your home church, but I will say this. Go ahead and let's take a look and see what it is that the Lord is able to do in and through this series over the next couple of weeks. Amen. All right. So being the change that your world needs. Also, before I really dive into this, I want to give a big shout out to Matthew Johnson. Did Pastor Matt do an incredible job last week just bringing the word? Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I'm telling you, listen now. You guys have no idea how blessed we are to have the people. Every single time that I come home, you know what I mean? Somebody, uh, last, time, last time Pastor Javi spoke, somebody had come up to me and said, Hey, listen, you ought not to go you know, out of town very often. These, these, you know, he, these boys are doing as good a job or a better job than, than what you are. you might lose. I was like, listen, you know what? God bless it. Right. I'm telling you, we have some we have some deep talent in our in our church. Right. We've got some some gifts that are being exercised and used in an excellent way. And we need to we need to value that. Right. We need to we need to be thankful for that. And so I just thank him so much for for doing such a great job. He does a a great job week in and week out leading worship and and leading our worship team. Um, our whole worship team is incredible. But I, I, I just really appreciated him sharing his gift of exhortation this last Sunday. And one more time, let's just thank the Lord on behalf of, of Matt. And, yeah. All right. So today, I want to take you back in time. We're getting in our time machine. I want to take you back in time this morning. And I want to take you back to the time that you gave your heart to Jesus. Like for some of you, Dr. Bob, that was a long time ago. You've been serving the Lord for a long time, right? For other people, it may have been recently that you've just given your heart to the Lord. And and while while there also might be people that are here that have not given your heart to the Lord, and maybe today is that day. But I want to take those back that have been serving the Lord for any period of time I want to take you back to that moment that you surrendered your heart to Jesus. You know, for me, I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, it was just like the whole weight of the world was just lifted off of my shoulders. I didn't have much hope for the future. In fact, I grew up most of my young years thinking, and this is the absolute truth, thinking that I would never reached the age of 30 years old. I knew that I was going to be dead by the age of 30. I'm 50 today. Uh, not today. Like today's not my birthday. You could give me a birthday present if you wanted to, and I would, be, I would, I would, I would receive it, but, but I'm 50. And, but I'm telling you, listen, in my mind, I really thought there's no way that I'm going to live to the age of 30 because of the reckless life that I was living and the way that I was, the way that I was living it. And so there was there was hopelessness that was removed and hope was given. What was it like for you? What is your story? I want you to I want you to tell yourself, remind yourself of the story. Come on, that you lived when you gave your heart to Jesus. What was the what was the feeling? Second Corinthians chapter five and verse 17 says this. And this is the NIV. Therefore. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation, somebody say new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. I'm telling you what I was immediately transformed. I shared with everybody here at least once. I'm certain of it that whenever I truly surrendered my heart to Jesus, I was in jail in Boise, completely inebriated. And I just said, God. I'm so tired of this life. If you can do anything with it, you can have it. And immediately, like my heart was changed and my life was transformed. And, and once again, I had hope. And not, not only did I have hope, but I had vision. Like I knew that I had a lot of legal problems and legal issues and relational issues that I needed to deal with. But somehow, way, I knew that everything was going to be okay. Everything was going to work its way out because of Jesus Christ in my life. I surrendered my life. The Holy Spirit came into my life and changed me immediately. But it didn't stop there. You see, I knew that I was also called to be a carrier of this transformation. I knew that my life was changed so that I could be used to introduce others to this same change that I had just experienced. Like right off of the bat, I knew that there was an incredible call on my life. And what's crazy is, is I didn't wait. I don't understand this. I know we're all created differently. Like, right, you're not, you're, you're not Travis, and, and I'm, not, I'm not Wayne. We're different. We're very different one than the other. But I can just tell you this. I did not sit on my hands waiting for somebody in a church to approach me to ask me if I would like to do something in the church. Man, I'm telling you what, I was so fired up and so, so passionate about this new life that Jesus had gotten and had given to me, right? That I was knocking down doors to, to serve people because I knew that my life was changed to be a change agent Come on to introduce other people to this Jesus that had been so good to me. Man, I was asking my pastor. Pastors wasn't, they weren't coming to me. Elders weren't coming to me. Church leaders weren't coming to me and saying, hey, Travis, I see something in you. I was knocking down doors. I was like, listen, can I come early to hand out bulletins? Can I come early and just be a smiling face to open a door for somebody? Nobody had to ask me. Nobody had to ask me to start giving of my tithe. I, I wasn't taught to trust God with my first fruits. I know we're all not the same, but I'm just telling you, there were some things that were just that were just right out, right out front, center that I knew that I needed to do because God was gonna use me to bring about this change in other people's lives. Before I knew any, I had no business. I had zero business. I had zero qualifications. Completely wet behind the ear. Probably even taught some things that weren't even true. But immediately started, I went out to the prison, the main yard in Boise. And I went through games that cons play and and all of the different classes so that I and a, a dear friend of mine, Roy Rojas, could go out there and sing some songs. I knew about four chords on the guitar. He knew about 12 We didn't even sound that good, but we wanted to go out there and I would just preach the, you know, the the, the word, which I thought was just so deep at that time. But I just I knocked down the door to go visit with people that were in down and out situations because that's where I was when Jesus showed himself to me. Right. There was a fire that was burnt, that was lit and was burning inside of Inside of me, and I had to share with anybody that would listen what it is that God was doing. And so so I knew my life was changed to help others change. And studying, actually getting into God's word. Wasn't a reader, but I couldn't get enough of God's word. Had to sometimes read, like King James is what I cut my my teeth on. I have a hard time comprehending, you know, C-spot run. At this time in my life, and now I'm reading, you know, the King James Version of the Bible, and they would split one page in two two sections. I would literally read all on one side of one page, and I would ask myself, what did you just read? And I would answer myself, I have no idea. And so you know what I would do? I would read it again like I wasn't I wasn't in a race I wasn't I wasn't I I wasn't trying to prove something to to somebody I just wanted to know this Jesus more intimately through his word and so guess what I would just reread it again and sometimes I would reread it again the same thing that I had just read and I would ask myself what did you learn Absolutely nothing. So I would go back and I would reread it again until I would get something or something would kind of start, you know, making some sense. And and the more that I studied, the more that I walked with the Lord, the more his word would open up to me. And I realized that Jesus had the same message that I'm sharing with you today, like his message is, go and change your world. Go change your world. His message is is to change your world. He saves you so that you can be a carrier of that change, that life, and shared with others that they may have life as well. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 says this, and this is the message version of the Bible. And if you've got a strong opinion on the message, listen, we use several Stick with your version if you don't like the message. We don't use it here often, but I love how this reads. It says this, that you are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Just think about that. It's so poetic. Like, like you and I are here to be salt seasoning That brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness. How will people taste godliness? If you lose your saltiness. You've lost your usefulness. And will end up in the garbage. Another way to put it. You're here to be light. Light. Your life is here to be salt and light. Your life is here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. We're not keeping this quiet. It's not just between you and I. We're going public with this. We want everybody to know about it. We're going public as public as a city that's placed on a hill. If I make you light bearers, which is exactly what the Lord does. When he comes into your light, you are now a light bearer. You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? Why would I make you a light barrier and then hide you under fabric or under a bucket? Or, or in a place that, that nobody is going to be able to experience that expression? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father which is in heaven. So we hear it often, right? We hear it all the time. In fact, one of the things that people struggle with the most is purpose. Like God has a purpose for your life. He's got a a plan for your life. And and I'm telling you, you're going to hear it again today that God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. But I'm going to simplify God's purpose and plan for your life. God's plan for your life, my friend, is to change your world. See, sometimes we can get overwhelmed with, with changing the world, you know what I mean? We look at the disciples and how they were able to, to change the, the actual world that they lived in. We look at Peter, you know, who stood up on the day of Pentecost and And he began to preach boldly as the Holy Spirit, you know, filled him up and 3000 people were added to the church that day. Come on, change the world. Those 3000 people went on to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. And and so we we're always called. Listen, you're a world changer. You're called to change your world. And sometimes it can be it can be overwhelming because how can I change the world? And I'm just telling you this. That it's simpler than that. God has called you to change your world. And it starts in your family. It starts in your community. It starts in this body of worship. It starts in this community. It starts with your friends. It starts in your workplace. Wherever it is that God has positioned you and planted you, that is your world. Mother Teresa was asked once, you know how do you how do you feed the the world how do you feed the world she simply said you start by feeding one person you start by feeding one you guys have all heard the story of the father and the son that they were visiting at the beach and they went out to hunt for seashells and there was something tragic that happened you know what i mean the the night before and all of these sea uh these starfish were were washed up onto the onto the beach and and they were dying because they were, they were out of water. Don't know what happened with the tide, but they were out of the water. And so the son frantically, you know, is running across the beach. He's just throwing one starfish after the other, one starfish after the other back into the water. You've heard the story. The father's like, listen, what are you doing? You're exhausting yourself. It's not going to make a difference. There's way too many. There's thousands of starfish. And the boy throws another one into the water, and he simply says to his dad, it made a difference for that one. And I'm just saying that oftentimes we're we're looking at doing these big extravagant things for the Lord. And we overlook the simplicity of walking with Jesus and the opportunity of sharing Christ with the person that you sit next to every single day you go to work. We're looking for a platform to preach on or a mission field to, you know, to reach out to. When God has you exactly where you're supposed to be at this very moment, and there's more opportunity surrounding you than sometimes what we, what we understand or what we realize. I'm telling you this, that all significant movements begin with a few, not the multitudes. They begin with a few. Everything that's great typically starts with one person that shares an idea with another person, and then it builds and it grows from there. So, my question to you this morning is is Are you being the change that your world needs? Steve, are you, sir, being the change that your world needs? I hope that's yes, but if it's not, then I'm telling you, sir, as well as I'm telling myself and anybody else here, you just got a good looking face there and a smile on it. So, I was like, He seems friendly, he's not going to get offended. If you're not being the change that your world needs, the simple thing is, is you've got to change something. You cannot continue to do the same things that you've always done and expect to get a different result. Right? You got to do something different. Are you being the change that your world needs? Let me ask this differently. Are you being the light and the salt that Jesus says that you are to bring about the God colors and the God flavors come on that that he wants you to bring about in the world that you live in. Let me ask it a different way. Have you ever been a part of leading somebody to the saving grace of Jesus Christ? And I'm telling you that if you're not and if you haven't, if you're not being the change that your world needs, then you simply need to change. You need to change because this is not God's plan for you to be a light that is stuck under a bucket or saltiness or salt that has lost its flavor, lost its saltiness, right? So are you being the change that your world needs? I want everybody in here to fold your arms. I want you to fold your arms. Every single one of you fold your arms a unique way. I want you to now do something different. I want you to fold your arms the opposite way. That's weird, right? That's weird. You know why? Because you're a creature of habit and so am I. I want everybody here to put your hands together like you're praying, okay? Our Father. Or remember this one? This is the church. This is the steeple. Go back to praying. Now, I want you just simply to move your hands, your fingers, over one one way. Because you're a creature of habit. Right now, you're thinking if I pray this way, God won't even answer my prayers. This does not even seem like there's power in this. I'm going back. All I'm saying is, is that, that we get so comfortable, we get so used to doing something a certain way, and we think that that's the only way to do it. And if your life is not counting in the way that you, you don't have to listen to somebody else you know, saying, hey, your life's not counting the way that... You know if your life is adding up to what it is that God has created you for. And if it's not, all I'm simply doing, even though it's uncomfortable is I'm telling you that you need to change. You need to shift something. Because I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, I want to make sure that my life is added up. Amen? All right. So you're the salt. You're the light. You make things better. You make things different. Okay, I'm going to share with you, there's typically four different times where we change. There's four different seasons in life or things that take place where we will change be about change. There's they we, we call them tides of change. We've we've coined them as seasons of change. But there's typically four different reasons why somebody will change. The first reason is that we heard enough that we're forced to change. How many times have you seen somebody that has just gone through or going through a terrible divorce and um and the next thing you know you know what I mean? A a few weeks or a couple of months go by, and next thing you know, they've lost about 50 pounds. And so, and so, you know, they're doing everything to save the marriage. They're doing everything to get their life in order. You know, uh, two people are on the Uh, either that or they're hopeful that you know maybe they'll be able to connect with somebody else after the wife leaves or whatever I don't know that was supposed to be funny it really wasn't that funny but in my mind the second I thought it I thought it was funny but it's really not funny so I apologize for uh but it's true I don't care what you say it's true (laughs) you're like dang you you look good yeah my wife left me (laughs) Yeah. See, it is funny. It is funny. It's funnier than what you're. All right. Okay. So we hurt enough that we're forced to. We really don't want to change, but we're backed into a corner. And so we're forced to change. The second reason why people change is they're inspired through experience. Let me just tell you, we just came back from Mexico. My wife and I did. We had a beautiful time. Everybody should go to Mexico. I plan on going a lot more i loved it it was incredible the people were amazing the food spectacular the weather oh beautiful we were i there's nothing like sleeping on a bungalow with the, right next to the ocean and the waves are coming in and crashing and then waking up and saying babe what do you want to do absolutely nothing <laughs> let's just stay here another couple hours it was just so fantastic but the resort that we stayed, we were almost all the way to, to Tulum, which is they've got the ancient Mayan ruins, which we were able to go and and participate in and do, you know, and, and, and look at that history and learn about some of the history. But I'm telling you, for the most part, we just stayed right on the resort. And the resort was excellent. Everything was excellent. The service was excellent. Everything was. They were constantly painting things. They were constantly making things better, keeping things up. And so I asked one of the one of the managers there. I said, "Hey, listen, who owns this?" And I'm thinking, you know what I mean? Some some somebody from America owns it, or somebody from you know Australia, or or, or some. I said, "Who owns this resort?" And uh, and. They said, listen, a Mexican national owns this one and about 15 others just like it. Now, I'm telling you, multi-multi-million dollar facility, hundreds. There, was, there were more workers there than there were, than there were vacationers there. We literally, there, it felt like we were, we were one couple of 50 couples in the whole place. And it was just spectacular. It was just, it was just amazing. But anyway, this guy began to share the story with me that this guy that owns this one as well as 15 others just like it, even better. He started out as a bellboy. He started out in the service industry years and years ago as a bellboy. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And then immediately I began to think of all of the, all of the opportunities that you and I have in this great nation that we live in, certainly more opportunities than than down in Mexico. And I'm thinking, man, oh man, how many opportunities do we just do we just not take advantage of because we're lazy or we just don't want to put in the work or or we don't have a vision, you know what I mean, for things greater. And I just simply said a prayer. I said, Lord, let me, let me never. You know what I mean? Take advantage of the privileges and the things that you have, you know, before me and don't let me miss out on anything that you have before. me. But it was a spectacular story, and I couldn't go away from that conversation, not being challenged up, inspired because of that experience. Come on to change my view, my outlook, my work ethic, what it is that I do, how I view and treat people, because I can tell you this. The culture that we that we experienced down there of servitude and the culture of excellence, it wasn't that way. By default, I guarantee you somebody had a vision and it was Mr. Martinez that had a vision that grew up in the service industry and and, and literally is worth multi billions of dollars this day in Mexico. Somebody had a vision. All right. So we're inspired through experience we learn enough that we're empowered to change you know i think about we've done a lot of work i've been over to uganda several times and and um and we do a lot of work there we're a part of a lot that's going on in in uganda we've got pastors that we you know we periodically support over there and and i remember when i first started going to uganda you know the aids epidemic was was just huge and and not only were there are a lot of people dying from, from AIDS, but it was unfortunate that a lot of kids, you know, was passed on to, to children and through education and, and, and talking that, you know what, talking about celibacy and contraceptions and contraceptions, contraceptives, you know, contraceptions and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> you know, contraceptions, don't you? <laughs> How many of you know that celibacy, if you're not married, is still the best policy? Amen. No sex is better than sex if you're not married. We don't talk about that enough in this day. Young people, I don't see a bunch of them in here. They're in their, in their class, but I'm just telling you, if you're not married, save yourself. And if you've given yourself away already, save yourself from this point forward until you do get married. Amen. It's the best way. All right. We also receive enough that we're able to change. We receive enough. Sometimes all people need is a hand up. I can just tell you this: that that most people in life, there was somebody that if they're in an elevated position, most people didn't get there by them by themselves. And I want you to be mindful: who is it in your life that God has positioned you to reach down and to help them come up? a level. All right. So how do we be salt and light? Let's get through this because I'm running out of time and this is good information. How do we be salt and light? I'm going to give you some information that will give you guaranteed results if you'll put these to practice. Now, listen, if I told you, if you do these two things every single day, I guarantee you that you'll get $200 in your pocket every single day. Would you pay attention? Right. So I'm going to give you a few things that (laughs) I don't even know what you said, but I know it was probably not good. (laughs) I'm guaranteeing you, if you will do these things, you will be salt and light. So I'm not, this isn't pie in the sky. This is, I'm telling you something very true that if you'll put into practice, you will be used by God. Number one is simply this, value people. Value people. And in a day and a time where we're so busy... We don't value people like we need to value people. I want you to know that people are the most important thing in God's eyes. You are more important than what it is that you do. Right? You are more important than, than, than anything else. People are more important. Jesus valued people that other people valued. And he also valued people that nobody valued. And I'm telling you this, that if you have been to value people that everybody values, but you don't value people that nobody values, then you are not being like Jesus. Or if you value people as you recognize that this person can help get me something. So, so there's no authenticity in your value of that person. It's just simply selfishness like you're looking at that person, this person can help me to get where I want to be. And so I'm going to treat them differently than I would treat this other person that can't help me do anything at all in your own mind. But is, is, that's, a, that's a wrong viewpoint as well. Then I'm just telling you, you're not being like Jesus. Jesus valued people that everybody valued and he valued people that nobody valued. He loves everybody and I just appreciate that. Matthew 25 and verse 35 says this, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me some clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? So Jesus is just complimenting them on the great things that had just taken place and it raises the question, What are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to visit you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did this to one of the least of these, one of these things to somebody overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. And so I'm telling you this, that whenever you value people, when you value anybody... You get God's attention. I want you to think about that. You want to get God's attention? Give your attention to people. So many people I've heard throughout the years. I want to just get closer to God. I want, I want, and and people will say this. Pastor, it just seems like you've got a great connection to God. I want to get closer to God. Listen, if you want to get closer to God, get closer to people. Right? I want to, I want to. Just serve the Lord. I want to just, that's all I want to do is just serve the Lord. Well, if you listen, if you want to serve the Lord, start serving people. And I'm telling you, it needs to be authentic. Number two is this, the second guarantee that will give you, give you the results that you're looking for is invest in those people that you value. Invest in people. I want you to think about real quick, those people that have invested in you, who's really made a difference in your life. Who's helped you to get to wherever it is that you are? And now my second question is this. Do they know that you value them? Do they know that you appreciate them? Have you taken the time to go back? Not like like the nine lepers, but the one leper that came back to give thanks. Did you go back? Have you had that conversation that, listen, I appreciate all that you have done for me because God has used you to be a blessing in my life. Who has helped you along this life's journey? You would say that your life is better because of this relationship. Do they know how much you value that relationship? And now, I want you to start looking at ways that you can invest in other people, right? A lot of times, investing in somebody is simply seeing the giftings that they have that are given to them by God. And helping them to see and realize or affirm those gifts that they already have. Sometimes people don't even know they have a gift. So you might be able to bring attention to that. Now, create space for them to utilize that gift. Create space that they can can use it. They can get better in that gift. Create opportunities for others. Spend time listening to people even when what they're saying doesn't make a bit of sense to you. Have you had those conversations? You're like, man, this person's really coming out of left field. But Lord, I am going to sit here and I'm going to listen because apparently this is what this person needs. And I'm going to look for an opportunity. You know, I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to look for an opportunity to maybe help them in and through what it is. You know, sometimes when you place yourself listening to somebody that doesn't make sense, it's usually not the thing that they're talking about that's the real issue. The real issue will be uncovered as you just honestly sit and listen a little bit more. There's a lot of times there's a deeper rooted problem that God has created this space, but sometimes we're just like, this is crazy. Or we even say, you're crazy. This doesn't make sense. You're wrong. And then guess what? You've missed out an opportunity for ministry. Wow, that was fresh. The next thing is confidently instruct people. Listen, if God has positioned you in somebody's life and you see a pitfall that somebody doesn't see themselves moving into, or maybe they're already in a pit, right? Help them to get out of that thing. And guess what? These are the conversations that are not fun conversations to have, but, but your life will be used to make that life a different life, a better life, right? Right? And so confidently instruct people. There's nothing more important than people. Daily, we should remember that everybody is valuable. Daily, we should, we should remember that there are multiple opportunities to invest in people. Why daily? Because you're always going to find what you're looking for. You're always going to find what it is that you're looking for. And I'm just telling you this, especially as of late... My life, like, like the closer that I get, I, I, I was talking to somebody just yesterday, it's wild to think that probably I've lived more life than I will see in the future. I've already lived more than what I'll see in the future. And this is the deal, that as I contemplate those things, I want every single person that is privileged to share life with me, for their life to be better because of my life and my interaction with them. I want to make a deposit. I want to to bring about change. I want their life to say, at the end of my life, I want them to say, you know what? My life is better because I was in relationship with this person. So don't just look for ways to add value. Do things that actually add value because we know that good intentions never changed anything. And many of you are sitting on some great intentions some great inventions some great ideas and listen if you never you know there's a there's a there's a hot word that's being used right now all around the all around the world do you know what that word is traction boy I just wish I could get everything I do I just you know what I can't seem to get any traction. Well, traction requires action. And a lot of the reason that people aren't getting traction is because they're not taking action or doing the right things or doing things differently that will help them to get traction, momentum, movement in the direction that God is calling them to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 13 says this. Actually, verse 19, it says this. This is the message again. I like how it sounds. Don't send me a bad email, even though read your read your King James or your new King James or your NIV or your ESV or your ASV. If you don't like this, just bear with me just for a second, because I like how it sounds. Okay. even though I am free of the, the demands and expectations of everyone, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living, immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. Number three, and this is my closing point, don't check out on me yet, all right? Number three is simply this, get to work. If you will go to work being about the Lord's business, doing the Lord's will, taking advantage of the opportunities that He creates for you to take advantage of, Sharing Jesus being the light of the world being the salt of the of the world right that has not lost its salt. If you will be, be about God's business. I promise you. I guarantee you this that he will use you He will use you and this oh by the way it spills over into Real work. Can I just take a moment and talk to you about something that I've been thinking a whole lot about for about the last five years I'm going to share something with you just real quick. And I want you just to, if you don't like it, get mad and get over it. If you like it, say amen. But can I just share something with you just real quick that nothing is for free? Nothing is for free. Salvation isn't for free because it was paid for by Jesus Christ in his blood. Thank God all we have to do is receive it, but he paid for it, Right? Our country is free and the liberties that we have are not free just because they've, they've they, you know what I mean? That, that's just by default what everybody receives and then we just lose it. No, we have the liberties and the freedoms that we have because men and women have paid the ultimate price fighting for the liberties and the freedom. Like they have literally given their life fighting for what it is that we have. Freedom is not free, right? It's not free. This is the edgy part of it. If you're receiving something for free and you're like, man, nobody's paid for this. You know, it's just free. Let me just tell you, you're on the hook to pay for it yourself some way or shape or form. Okay. Now, listen, we live in a day and an age. Bear with me just for a second. Don't throw anything at me. But we live in a day and an age where we all, or many people, we don't all, many people want something for nothing. There is no such thing as something for nothing. I believe in in welfare if welfare is needed. I believe in food stamps to help people in need if food stamps is needed. I don't believe in somebody working the system not getting up and going to work living a life of purpose just to be in the system so that somebody else can take care of you because listen if you're not paying the bill somebody else is and it's unfortunate but I've been in nations in Nicaragua where you're We've done missions work in Nicaragua where it, it, somebody asked me, would you could you see yourself going back to Nicaragua? And, and while the answer right now is no. And it was answered no, then Nicaragua was the only place that I've ever been where I saw the the hope removed. It's because we went and we did a, a feeding program, children of the dump. If you were born in the dump, you're going to die in the dump. There's no way you're going to change your circumstances. Where you're born, you're going to die. And when you remove hope from people, when you remove that from people that they can't better them themselves and they're reliant upon the government or they're reliant upon somebody else, it's not a good place to be. And I have a I have a strong feeling. I this was probably 12 years, 10, 10, 12 years ago, we went to Nicaragua and I came home now I was having a conversation, it was over 10 years ago, because I was back at the, at the other church. I was having a conversation. I, I got preached on a Sunday morning. I think that was the last time pastor asked me to preach on a Sunday morning, but I preached on a Sunday morning, and there was a lady that had come up because I was challenging people to get up and go to work. and this lady come up to me after service, and she had five kids, and she said, "Travis." I want you to know that I desire to go to work, but there's no possible way that I can go to work and raise the kind of money that the government gives me to care for my family if I was to go to work. I would be going backwards. And I'm just telling you that there is a system in place to remove hope from your life. And I had a conversation, a long, lengthy conversation with this young lady that, while that might be the case on the front end, that with Christ, come on, you can go back to school like you wanna go back to school. You can get a better paying job, you can work for these things, but I'm telling you this, that nothing is free. And if you have lost hope because because there's no desire to work and you're just thinking that somebody's just gonna take care of you, I'm telling you you're not doing yourself, you're not doing your family and you're not doing this country, this great country that we live in any benefit by by just sitting back and letting somebody else and once again this that that hard message is not for the person that needs it. I totally believe not only should there be programs in place, but the church should be in place to help people Come on, that are that are that are that are in need, and that's exactly that's exactly what we do. But I'm just telling you, whatever that's worth, you got to go to work, like work, work, and then you got to go to work for the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm telling you this, that uh, that the first job that was given to man. As a matter of fact, if if you ask this, a lot of times, like like listen to Christians why did god create you you know what the most popular answer is is in answering that question to worship god created me to worship that's why i was created is to worship him it's the most popular answer but that's not the truth god wants you to worship yes worship is important absolutely but his he's got angels that do that all the time and And I mean, 24 hours a day, if there was such a thing in heaven, there's not. Around the clock, people, you know, angels are are worshiping. The first job given to man was not worship, it was work. God establishes work as a priority. In fact, there are many times in scripture that God rejects, he denounces, he denies worship. And he calls out for good works instead of worship. In fact, there was a bunch of religious leaders, right, that were doing everything right. And he said this, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far, are far from me. I want you to know in Genesis chapter one and chapter two, in fact, study this whole thing out. Genesis 126 says this, then God said, let us make man in our image. So you're created and I'm created in the image of God according to our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and everything creeping, the creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and begin to multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. And have dominion over it. Go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2. Thus the heavens and the earth. God's creating all these things. Thus the heavens and the earth and all of the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which had been done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because it was because in it he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. Let me just tell you this, there was no demons, there was no, there, there, there was no uh, demonic influence, there was no sin, there was no problems in the house, right? There was no darkness, no broken homes, no depression, no anxiety. You see, a lot of people today, they view work like it was the result of sin. I'm just telling you this, that you and I are created in the image and likeness of God. And if God worked six days and he rested one day because he was so exhausted, if God can be exhausted, he needed rest. Then guess what? That means that you and I are created in the image and likeness of God. We better be about getting up and going to work and doing and making an impression on this life, creative impression on this life every single day that we're given. It's not to sit and play video games and collect a check every month, right? Come on, it's to use your purpose, your giftings. Come on, who it is that you are, the essence of who you are to make this world better and to glorify him and yes, worship. Yes, we love worship. We've got a whole worship team. But I'm telling you what, we are called, come on, to get to work. And there are people that are not saved yet today, possibly, not putting this on you, but possibly because you've not gone to work. It's possible. There's people in your family that are not saved because you haven't put in the work. You haven't trusted enough in God, come on, to use you. Six days he went to work. Listen, if I was to tell you six times one thing and then one time I told you something else. What do you think is going to be more important to me? See, sometimes we focus on the Sabbath, the Sunday, as our day of rest, our day of worship, our day. We focus more upon this day when Jesus is saying about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, listen, you draw close to me with your mouth but your hearts are far from me. See, I'm telling you this, it's not just about Sunday morning coming in here and worshiping and, hey, Brother Wonderful, how you doing? Hey, Sister Sweet, how's it going? Man, praise the Lord. God is so good, amen, praise the Lord. Gonna raise my hands. See, it's more about what you're gonna do with your life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday comes and we rest and we do it all over again. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. we got to get to work. There's work that needs to be done, and God is wanting to use you to do it. Amen? You received the word today. Praise God. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I pray for that one person here, God, or several people that do not know you. And I pray in Jesus name, God, I feel compelled just to do it this way today in Jesus name, just like I met with you in that jail cell or you met with me, that even right now that that can be done right here. So God, if there's a moving on the heart, the spirit of God is moving on that person's heart, let them simply in their own words say, God, I receive you. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch.